Welcome to Weir's World, the All Ears podcast, which will take you on a roller coaster journey around the world. Follow me from Beijing to New York City and back as I share my tales to tell, encompassing the tenures of Gliadrich and the Kabbalistic Cavalry, as well as touring with some well known faces. From celebrity stories to travel nightmares, we'll be reminiscing on the ridiculousness of it all, with special guests jumping in along the way. All Ears is your new favourite weekly podcast. Ali, hello. Hello again. How are you? Very well. How are you? I'm good, mate. How's how's your mood this week? How's well? My mood has been um, better than last week's, I would say, because last week I think we started off going off on a tangent a wee bit. Um, yeah, a little bit. We got distracted a bit. I was also thinking we seem to start with with a sort of hello, how's things? Maybe we should think of a new hello way. Well, I was just about to ask you what you had for your dinner. I'd salmon tonight mm, with uh, a wee bit of veg and potatoes. Did you have any? Did you have any? Dressing on your salmon? Uh, it was peppered salmon, so peppered the salmon, salmon was fine as it was. It came from the well-known German <laughs> supermarket. Oh, the four-letter one. One of those. A one of those, one yeah. Not, the, to, not to be confirmed uh, which one it was. Yeah, yeah, we can't mention. Can't possibly... Again. Mention, no, absolutely not. Mm. Uh, I, had, I had spicy beef noodles. Spicy beef noodles? Yeah, it was, it was pretty good. That sounds almost like a takeaway. Yeah, but it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. No. Was it homemade or yeah, was it homemade? Yeah. Oh, so it's a good level of spice as well. Ingredients bought from German supermarkets that cannot be yes. confirmed. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've been thinking this week. Uh, are there any? Is there anyone else you feel you need to apologise to? I mean, there probably is. Um, mm. I have been on the earth for twenty-seven years, and I imagine I have annoyed a lot of people. Yeah. Are there anyone in specific to relate back to last week? Are there anyone that from uh, a drunken award ceremonies that you feel like you've missed out an apology for? Or again, when I'm drunk, um, most often or not at gigs, it tends to be around you. Mm. So if I need to apologise to anyone, it would likely be yourself or members of the band. I feel I feel like I wrote I owe Ross an apology. Mm, an apology to Ross. I don't know why though. I just feel like I want to apologise. Is there anyone you I wish mean, to apologise to? I feel to? like my apology list might be slightly more interesting than an, an unknown apology to Ross. But yeah. I realised that I had missed out the time when I, at an awards ceremony, um, where I, I should add, not deliberately, slammed the door in Sandy Tom's face. Oh, wow. That wasn't very cool. So, Sandy, I apologise if you're listening. She, do you have LinkedIn? I don't, actually. I used to. I don't anymore. I don't have LinkedIn. I've no. never used LinkedIn. But I've received a couple of emails in the last fortnight mm. from Sandy Tom saying that she's trying to connect with me on LinkedIn. And right. I wonder if she wants to discuss the, the door slamming saga. Just to clarify, you haven't actually spoken to her since the door slamming thing, have you? I have not spoken to her since the door slamming situation, no. And how did she react? I think she was taken aback at having a... a mm. I think she was taken <laughs> well, aback... Well, literally knocked back a wee bit. <laughs> yeah, I think she was taken aback by having had a, a door slam at her. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm sure she's lovely. And uh, if she if she wants to reach out via another platform that I do have, like on LinkedIn... Yeah. So what good. you're saying is Sandy Tom wants to get in touch with you, but you can't be bothered signing up to LinkedIn. Well, it's, I feel like it's quite a big hassle to sign up to LinkedIn mm. just to connect with one person. But then again, yeah. she's, there's maybe a reason behind her trying to get in There's touch. maybe more to the door thing. <clears throat> maybe. Yeah, who, who would mm. know? Yeah. Also, so just to clarify for the for the listeners, mm-hmm. um, we are not recording them these episodes as we go. We're kind of recording yeah. a few at a time. 
Um, so at the time of recording this, episode three is just out, and this is episode six. So we're a few weeks. Uh, we're, we're, we're we're speaking into the future. This, I mean, this is really bad. If something tragic has happened between these, I mean, we are recording what three weeks in advance. Yeah. If something really bad has happened mm. um, between now and then, this is this is quite bad actually. I mean, yeah, it, that's that's very true. Um, I it, should, d- it depends. It could be something real, something really marvelous has happened in the same time. It's possible. I um, feel I also need to apologise to my sister. Oh. Um, she. Um, has been an avid follower of the podcast since day one. Shout out to Rachel. She makes up about 35% of all listeners right now. <laughs> Do, does she listen once or does she listen like 35 she, times? She pro- I mean, my voice, she, she, she doesn't get enough of it clearly. So, I mean, yeah. she yeah. obviously is listening again and again and again. However, she's taken up exception to the fact that I mentioned the time when I got Pete Doherty to phone my ex-girlfriend's sister. Yeah. And... Yet we've not referenced the fact that the well-known designers, Colin and Justin, phoned Ah, my sister from my phone as well. Right. I don't really know how we um, put that into a story, other than the fact that I bumped into them at an event, we had some drinks, I told them my sister liked liked them, Mm -hmm. and gave them my phone. Uh, And that's about as exciting as it gets. I feel like it doesn't want an episode Mm. on its own. So you even if, see that story, if you just threw something else in that just like spices it up, because you know people are into loads of different things in the world yeah. even if it was like i don't know something involved like toe sucking or something like that just throw, just throwing throwing those two words in changes the story completely doesn't it uh yeah i, right. I mean if sandy thomas is taken aback by a door being slammed in her face i think i'm equally as taken aback that toe sucking has now been referenced yeah. in where's world podcast yep with, with nobody actually doing it. Uh, yeah, I mean, unconfirmed, but yeah, it, yeah. There you go. Are you an experienced toe sucker? Uh, not personally, not no. personally. Um, you, so you don't suck your own toes, is what you mean. So you've maybe sucked someone else's. Wait, toes. hold on. Let's see, let me try it. Hold on. Let me see if. Let's see if I can. For the recording, Ali's currently trying to suck his toe. Nope, I can't do it. No. Uh, yeah. uh, so I can't suck my toe. I can confirm that I'm not flexible enough to do that. No. And we'll not be trying it during the recording of no. this podcast. Okay, so... However, Colin and Justin did... Um, I remember, was it Colin? Uh, Justin told me a story about how they were on Jonathan Ross on the same night as Oasis. Right. And I think Colin was wearing the same pair of trousers as Liam Gallagher. They both won the same trousers on the show. Wow. And Liam was raging. Liam was, <laughs> Liam was massively furious. Yeah. That Col- you can imagine. That yeah. Colin had worn uh, the same trousers as him. And it was definitely Colin's fault, it wasn't Liam's It would fault. definitely be Colin's fault. Right, yeah. As you were. Yeah. However, I mm. can confirm, again, this is only... this is this, Today is the day where the third episode um, has been released. We actually have listeners. And I've become a bit addicted to the analytics section mm. yes. of, of our page yep. that tells us that 20 percent of our listeners are in the usa that is a big percentage actually so if you're listening from the united states of america thank you very much for listening in we it appears that we also have listeners in canada australia mm. and the exotic island of ireland i was speaking to somebody during the week <clears throat> who said about the podcast they came across it and I'd said, I'd mentioned, yeah, it's actually reaching people in Australia and Canada and America. And at that point, they sort of said, do you realise, you know, just how, how it's growing? And I kind of, I took myself a, a step back and went, actually, I don't. I've never really, because we just sit down 
I'm just two guys talking every <laughs> single week. I mean, we talk a lot of crap, let's be honest. But the fact that we're talking a lot of crap and we're now reaching people around the world is is quite it's, a daunting thing, a wee bit. It's quite scary, yeah. isn't it, that, that our nonsense chat is getting right around the world. Yeah. It Literally. Is, it's, um, it's quite impressive. So yeah, like you say, thank you. If you are listening, thank you. It means yeah. the world, literally. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, we are here today to talk about my experience of playing with Queen and Adam Lambert. Um, the band Queen, not Her Majesty. And not Her Majesty the Queen. That is a later episode I can confirm. Oh, so it is. Yeah. Read, read your notes, Ali. Yes. Yeah. Um, that happened in 2015. And it came on the back of an email from Brian May. Um and the email from Brian May um, had come in uh, on a random Monday night, mm-hmm. noting how they were playing at the Hydro. Um, was this was this from Brian himself? Mm, yeah, personally. Yeah. yeah. Um, when you get an email that says Brian May um, mm. as the as the person who is sending it, uh, um, it takes you by uh, surprise a bit. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, sure enough, there were some emails exchanged about how they were coming to the Hydro. Yeah. And how they were looking to include the pipes uh, as a way of reaching out to a Scottish crowd. Yeah. Um, obviously, the pipes are our national instrument. And so I think, I assume he was aware of the fact that um, there's a pipe version of We Will Rock You mm. um, out there from the Red Hot, I think it was done originally by the Red Hot Chili Pipers. Yeah. Um, and he wanted to in- incorporate that in some way into the show at the Hydro. Has he ever said how he managed to actually get in touch with you? No. No. That's quite. It's quite interesting that sort of one of the the world's most famous rock superstars yeah. has, you know, somehow just come across you <laughs> without actually. Yeah, there's no bit, explanation. It's a bit of a mind blowing yeah. situation. Yeah. Um, if any other um, legendary rock stars <laughs> want to get in touch, then they can do so. Um, and if they're good friends with Brian, he has Mr. May. Let's see. Yeah. He um, has your own email address. Absolutely. That's, that's the easiest way yeah, to get so in touch. R- rock stars, um, if you'd like to um, include me in your show, speak to Brian. Brian will give you all the details. I couldn't possibly disclose them on here. No. But yeah, there were some emails then exchanged between Brian and Roger and I, which it was it was crazy to be getting these emails where. Um, from Brian to me, where Roger Taylor, uh, again, one of the greatest drummers of all yeah. time, mm-hmm. um, and Adam Lambert are copied in. I'm just reading Adam's response here saying, uh, to, uh, to Brian's emails, saying, yeah, sounds cool to me, what song? And uh, I'd said, obviously, we're, we're going to be doing uh, We Will Rock You, and he, and he replied, cool concept, I dig it. Uh, <laughs> there you go, I have, the, I have the proof right there. Yeah. It was great. Um, so... Uh, I eventually got confirmation from their tour manager Juliet that this is uh, that this is what was going to be happening. I was then really, I, this happened in October and the gig was to be so the October of two thousand and fourteen it must have been because mm-hmm. the gig was going to be in the January. Brian then I didn't I didn't hear from them for a while but Brian then reached out to me in December uh, pre- uh, maybe a week before Christmas yep. to say that they were playing at Hogmanay at Big Ben. They were okay. going to be playing the Big Ben Rocks thing at. Um, down in London, and he invited me down to to play um, then uh, the Hogmanay show live on BBC One. Yeah. But um, being loyal as ever to to my boys, uh, we already had a, a albeit rather small gig um, <laughs> with Gladrick lined up at the Cask and Cork pub in Dundee, which ah uh, oh, great yeah, no great longer pub. exists. Yeah, but great pub. I mean, uh, Cask and Cork, Big Ben. Mm. Yeah. Did you play Ali? Well, 
I'm thinking more Ross White or Brian May. Who would I rather spend my Hogmanay with? They've both got a similar hairdo. They're both... Brian's is bigger. They're both, leg- both legendary guitar players, some yeah. might say. Cut, cut from the same cloth. Yes, uh-huh. yeah. definitely. Unbelievable. Um, obviously, I, I declined that in favour of playing with my boys uh, yeah. at, at, at the Cask and Cork, which was equally a great night. And I think... I actually think Brian respected the fact that I didn't just drop drop the band yeah. um, in order to go and play with Queen, which would, it was a really difficult decision to make, to be honest, yeah. because uh, it would have been amazing to see in the new year with Queen. However, mm. going into the new year in January, it was obviously amazing to have that experience. A few weeks ago, Ali, you asked me about how nervous I get or not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember being in the taxi that day on the way around to the Hydro, mm-hmm. Nervous does not even cut it about the fact <laughs> that I was about to meet, never mind play with, yeah, like one of the greatest bands of all time. Mm-hmm. I was escorted. To, in fact, I arrived and I was to phone Juliet, but I'd gone to the wrong door, <laughs> and she, they were, I think they were in the middle of something when I'd phoned her. And it didn't. It's, it started off a little bit frosty. I was a bit concerned oh. about how the day was going to go because I'd gone to the wrong door. <laughs> However, by the time the time I actually met her, it was it was grand. She uh, she took us in. Uh, she gave me my own little. So I can't even put into words the feeling of walking through the backstage. Co- Do you know mm. you know the backstage corridor? Yeah, at the yeah, I've been at the hydro. Yeah. So walking down that backstage corridor, and then each door is labelled Brian, Roger, yeah. Adam, crew, and then they put Piper on my uh, <laughs> on my dressing room door. That it was just so surreal. Yeah. Um, and I was told just to relax in my in my room for a wee bit, and uh, and I'd get a knock when. When someone was ready to come and get me, I'm sat there, minding my own business, wondering how much, how the madness is going to unfold in the day. Yeah. And and I get to knock at the door, and it's Juliet, and she says, "Craig, Brian, I'd like to meet you now." Oh no, here we go. <laughs> uh, and so I walked, I walked along the corridor. Again, my stomach was in knots, like yeah. absolute butterflies. Um, at this point, and uh, gets to Brian's dressing room door, and uh, and there he is. He came to the door in this like black Hawaiian style shirt mm-hmm. with his specs on the end of his nose looked like a proper professor I mean he is a professor yeah, yeah. Um, and shook his hand and he said come in let's uh, sit down have a chat so it was just Brian and Sarah his PA at the time but she left and literally she left Brian and I alone in this room mm-hmm. and we're sitting there he's got red special on his lap possibly one of the most famous guitars of all time mm-hmm. like I don't know if you know the story about that he handmade that guitar himself I heard some rumours about yeah yeah. not like, official story. to like his own specifications mm. um, so like to sit there with him and the, this guitar that's recorded some of the absolute classic songs that we know and love yeah. today it was just he asked me he was sitting asking me all about Gliadri which is mm-hmm. so bizarre and I remember showing him a video of the Dundee Christmas light switch on where we were playing Teenage Kicks. <laughs> <laughs> it's not something you ever think you're going to do. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> At that point, did you not have like a million questions for yeah. for him? I remember sitting there talking with him. He was asking how I was. He spoke mm-hmm. about big, the, the Big Ben event. We spoke about Gliadric, the Teenage Kicks thing. Mm-hmm. And the last thing he said to me before I left the dressing room was that, you know, Craig, Freddie always loved a man in a kilt. Mm. And I thought, whoa. What a powerful thing to have, like, to have been told as you're leaving yeah. the dressing room. So, sure enough, Brian had said, look, someone will, someone will be for you when it's time to come up for some check. Yeah. So I toddled off back to my, my wee dressing room, Piper mm-hmm. on the door. Uh, I sat there waiting for the next knock, and sure enough, it came. Uh, and it was, yeah, Craig, we're, uh, we're good to go for some check. Let's mm-hmm. see how we go. 
So I went up and I'm trying to think, this might have been the first time I was on the Hydro stage. Yeah, I don't think I played at the Hydro before that, at yeah. that point. And going up to see the like the the, the runway that they put in place for mm. like for Brian to be running out into the crowd. Yeah. The massive screen that was to be put up behind the band. Yeah. The the, the sheer scale of production that yeah. was there on the stage that night was. Obviously, we can't we can't the listeners can't see that and things like that. Mm. But I believe it is on YouTube just for context to see the scale of the stage that you're talking about. It is, yeah, yeah, it's on YouTube. I'm sure you can get some pictures as well um, on on Google. I think I actually think that the, if you, the pictures possibly don't do it justice when you actually go up and stand on this stage, though, and like see how vast and how much attention to detail has been put in place for, yeah. the, for the staging and production. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely massive. That was where I met, where I met Roger. Again, lovely guy. So surreal to be there with one of the greatest and most well-known drummers. Yeah. Um, and then Adam Lambert mm. himself um, as well. We met as well at that point too. And all the all the like backing band, the crew and whatnot, they all came over, shook hands. And so then Brian at that point talked through with everyone what the vision was and, and what we were going to do. Yeah. And so we bashed through a few times the, the basically the ritual of what it was going to be. Mm-hmm. I was so I was so nervous, like being uh, doing a doing a rehearsal yeah. with these guys, and actually I made a few mistakes at that point um, <laughs> because again just that f- that absolute there was no crowd but mm. the absolute euphoria adrenaline buzz of standing there rehearsing with yeah. again the great probably the greatest band of all time yeah um, it's just an unbelievable feeling. In fact, we did the sound check, uh, and then Juliet had come to me and said, "Look." Can you tell your family that we've got spaces for them all backstage to come in and have a drink with us after the show? Yeah. And I remember phoning the family and them just being like, "Whoa, this is like this is going to be some night." Mm-hmm. But at that point, it was the, the the part that every every musician or anybody involved in any kind of production struggles with that dead time yeah. between sound check and the gig actually kicking off. Yeah. It felt like for me at that time that that time was endless. It went on yeah. for forever. Like it's the worst part of it's, it is the worst part of any show. Yeah. And uh, do you agree? Like when you're doing sound, that's that's a horrible part of the show. Yeah. I mean, we do it together an awful lot as well. Like the <laughs> amount of times we we sound check somewhere, uh, whether it's one of our own gigs or or we're somewhere else, and you do you sound check, and then you know you do have an hour or two or something like that to kill. And in my mind, sometimes you, you kind of, it's almost too much time because you, you know everything's in place, but you're double checking, you're doubting yourself, thinking mm. there's there's something not quite right, there's something I forgot, there's bound to be. But there is, there's just this much time yeah. in between it all. And the sound check flies by, the gig flies by, but that time mm. between sound check and gig, it's endless. Yeah. It goes on for forever. Yeah. Anyway, as that time wore on, uh, th- so there was no support band, th- they were, mm. it was just Quinn were playing the whole show. Okay. I'm sitting there in, in my room and I can hear Adam doing these most the most incredible vocal warm-ups. Mm. You and I have both heard so many vocal warm-ups from yeah. different people, like groups, choirs, singers, musicians over the years. Yeah. But you've never heard anything like this. The set of pipes, like the lungs on that boy, are yeah. unbelievable. Like, I, it, it shocked me the way that he was hitting those notes in his yeah. vocal warm-up. It was, it was really frightening. Again, in that time... I'm re- reverting between tuning pipes, twiddling my thumbs, just kind of waiting and waiting and waiting. Yeah. And then suddenly it was showtime. I didn't see the guys again until we were on that stage. Mm-hmm. Um, I stood side of stage to watch the performance. They, they opened with one vision. Mm. Uh, and the, again, the way that the, 
the way that the production lent itself to that to that opening number and the stage just kind of oh it dropped it was it was yeah. really it was unbelievable and stood there obviously to watch them play what is effectively a, a greatest hit set of all the, yeah. the well known no, what's your favourite Queen song? Oh, did you oh, know I was going to ask you this? Oh no! Oh, this is terrible. Um, everyone knows the the classic Queen songs and stuff like that, and and the ones everyone goes to. And uh, the first time I ever heard the full the full thing and all their input and stuff was actually seeing the musical. Believe it or not, we ah. will rock you. And that was incredible because I believe read up a fair bit about it but their vision was to take a, a queen concert into onto a stage a theater stage mm. so the concept behind it was incredible i remember seeing it when i was quite young went down to london and stuff and it was credible and that point i was like it, it was it felt like a concert mm. on a theater stage and that for me seeing we will rock you kind of kick-started my passion for wanting to do a lot more shows actually i think i think so we Will Rock You was kind of groundbreaking in the sense that it opened up the idea of rock bands being involved in mm. like in musicals too. Yeah. Like I think that sort of led to things like American Idiot, the musical. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it really opened the door for, yeah. for those things to kind of happen. Yeah. I actually went to see We Will Rock You, the musical too. I'd forgotten about that. Um, my gran used to take us to musicals mm. at the Edinburgh Playhouse when we were younger too. And actually, the night that we went to see We Will Rock You at the Edinburgh Playhouse, Brian came out as a guest. Which oh, right, at okay. the time I do really, I didn't really appreciate who he was or whatever, yeah. but I can still visualise and remember him being there and playing yeah. playing the guitar solo in. Um, he, I think he came on for the guitar solo in yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody. Yes, that yeah, that's that right? right. Yeah, yep. At the end of the show, yeah. Because I know when they when they shut down the London production, the song "The Show Must Go On" doesn't feature in the musical. Right. But it done on that last night oh, when Brian kind of... appeared and Roger wow. was there, and and you can see it online, and it is an incredible uh, video actually. It's amazing. Mm. You still not answered the question. What's your favorite Queen uh, song? Oh, um, this is really difficult. Actually. I think my favorite, probably purely because it's the classic and everyone knows, is Bohemian Rhapsody. Yes. For me, it's just it's, it's incredible. Like mm. the the variation in the music from it start to end is incredible. Yeah, I mean it's really hard to pick a bad Queen song. Though, isn't yeah, it? it is. I think seeing them seeing the songs live, um, yeah. one vision is is massive, and so is um, not quite so well known, but Stone Cold Crazy. Ah, mm. uh, what a song! It's um, like the the power in that is and the harmonies. Yeah, it's. I think that's, but that's a real quality of Queen's anyway. The harmonies. Yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody is the perfect example of that, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and all their songs, I like that. You know. Just the total variation of different speeds that they'll go at, different yeah. styles that they'll play at. Yeah. And it is, it's testament, not only to Queen and Adam Lambert now on how they do the live shows, yeah. but when you look at the old concerts and stuff and how Freddie Mercury was, how he just had control of a whole audience yeah. just by his presence on stage. It was I think, incredible. I think he really changed live music for a lot of live bands. Yeah. Like, in terms of things like audience participation as well. Like, yeah. Um, he was... Yeah, he was the epitome of having like an audience in the palm of your hand. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, to see them to stand there at the side of the stage, rattling through these greatest hits. Mm -hmm. Roger Taylor did a, an actual drum solo. Um, okay. Brian did the most oh, face melting guitar solo. Like you've yeah. never heard any or heard anything like it. Yeah. Um, so one of, one of the really powerful parts of the show was that was the, in in Who Wants to Live Forever they had a hologram oh, okay. of um, of Freddie yeah and it was almost like Freddie and 
Adam were singing the words back to each other. It wow. was really, really powerful. Like, yeah. Um, to 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 hear that and the crowd just responded unbelievably well to it. Yeah. Um, and to be fair, you've mentioned about the the whole sort of the scale of the production and stuff yeah. like that as well. And now that you've said the hologram, not only are, are Queen incredible, but without getting political again, like we did the other week, um, <laughs> testament to all the all the people that work on these things. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. You know, there's hundreds of people, literally hundreds and thousands of people across the world, every single day, work day in day out. I've got a few friends who are, are in that industry and do mm. it day day in day out. Um, testament to them because the the stuff that they manage to make is incredible. And especially when you mentioned things like hologram, that's that's the way these things are going now. Uh, yeah. And so maybe mental. maybe when I die, uh, mm. I don't know if I die. If I, I hope I don't die first, but I hope none of the other guys die, like die anytime soon either. I hope none of us die. If yeah, I'm being brutally I mean, we're honest, we're all going to die. But yeah. Like not hopefully not anytime soon. Yeah. But imagine a hologram of me beamed down right there with the band. I mean, it would be weird if you. I don't know how. It's actually quite now that you you get on to that point. It's quite interesting. Imagine how like so Brian and Roger feel mm. playing next to a their, hologram. Their friend who they knew for years is now a, a hologram. Um, it's powerful. You could see. Is, you could yeah. actually see the emotion. You could feel the emotion in the crowd, but you could yeah. also see and almost touch that kind of raw emotion from Brian and Roger as well as yeah. they as they were going through that song. Yeah. Um. So basically, it came towards the end of the set. They closed off the main part of the show with Bohemian Rhapsody. Right? Oh, okay. As we've said, yeah. possibly the greatest British song of all time. If yeah. not, it's absolutely up there. Like yeah. It, it's... Everybody... You ask anyone in the world about Bohemian Rhapsody and they will know it. Yeah. If they've not, they're a hermit living under a rock. There is, <laughs> there is no doubt about that. And at that point, the lights went down. I was to be the next person on the stage um, mm-hmm. at, the start of the, at the start of the encore to basically go up and start off the encore with We Will Rock You. Yeah. Right? So the lights went down. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the roadies were guiding me to the to the stairs with yep. the, with the torch, and I was literally about to take the first step mm-hmm. up onto the stage, and I felt a tap on the back, right? And I turned around, and it was Adam Lambert's manager, mm-hmm. and he looked at me, pulled a face, and went, "Don't f- up," <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, "Wow!" Like yeah. as if there was not enough pressure <laughs> on me at this point. Uh, you've just hit me with that. Yeah. He, he he probably meant it as a joke, but. Wasn't it was funny now, at the time. It was stuck in your head now. <laughs> it's funny now. It's funny now, but at the time when that's the last thing you've been told as you're walking onto the stage uh, yeah. at the Hydro to play with Queen. <laughs> uh, so yeah, up I went. Uh, the crowd went daft, obviously at the sight of someone in a kilt. Yeah. Sucked them up. Mm-hmm. Went into We Will Rock You. From like the first note, the crowd were behind it. Like yeah. you can imagine. Like they were singing all the words. You could see looking out. You could see all the fans jumping up and down. Actually, did, did I tell you that Ross was at that gig? No, Ross actually, actually no, was at the gig. Oh, yeah, okay. I, couldn't, I couldn't make him out in the haze. I, I, I didn't really look for him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Ross was at that gig. Um, blasting through, we were up And then at a certain point in the in, in my run through, Roger was to come on and join in mm-hmm. with uh, obviously that iconic drum yeah, beat. The drum. Yeah. So Roger batters through the, the drum beat, and then Brian comes running on and literally fires into this massive. Face melter of a solo, yeah. and basically my cue to stop was when I heard that first bust of that guitar, which was see from see being on that stage mm. while that that first chord was struck. Yeah. Oh, it literally shook the stage. <laughs> it was it was mad, and so that was my cue to go off. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't resist, so 
turned around to look because I was at the edge of the walkway. Yeah. Right, the end of the walkway, and I'm there on the stage. Yeah. Turned around to, to see what the scene was, yeah. and I turned around and could see the Brian's pointing at me to get the crowd to sort of show their appreciation. Yeah. And, I, and I turned around, and there's Roger Taylor, Brian May, Adam Lambert, and Brian's pointing at me. To, mm. and it was just. There's a. It's an incredible, iconic photograph. I've seen the photograph before. <laughs> it is. Hats off to the photographer who managed to get it right at that moment where. Brian May is pointing towards you. That photograph was taken by Alan Morrison, who for, oh, okay. a, for a lot for a large part has been the band photographer. Yeah. Uh, we managed to get him a photography pass mm-hmm. to be there to try and capture the moment. Yeah. And as you say, he absolutely did it. Yeah. Like that. It's an incredible photograph. Yeah. yeah. Like it's a very very special photograph to have. Yeah. Like there's no doubt about that. And at that point, they went into uh, they went into We Will Rock You and into We Are the Champions. Mm. I ran. To my, dre- to my dressing room after being on there playing We Will Rock You I remember jumping up and down to myself in my dressing room I hadn't, I hadn't really told many of my friends that I was doing this I told yeah. Ross that it was happening and yeah. my family knew but I hadn't like hadn't really told anyone Yeah. and I just remember being in this bubble in my dressing room jumping up and down going I've just played with Queen and I cracked open a beer and I, I just downed it in one it was, it was <laughs> honest and I stood there down in this beer hearing the last refrains of we are the champions yeah it was just what a moment like <laughs> um it really it was very 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 special after the show i uh what did I, I i remember having having a beer or a couple of beers and then i got a knock to say that i was welcome to go along and, and share a drink with the band yeah um so I, I went into their kind of communal dressing room area that they had and sat with the four of them well the three of them i was the fourth one <laughs> brian roger adam and me just thinking this is ridiculous but mm. let me tell you though that is the best red wine I've ever had in my <laughs> life and I even had the cheek to ask for a second glass and I don't know <laughs> on the note of like apologies I don't know if Roger was that happy that I that he had to give me so much of their wine um, <laughs> Brian, uh, Roger thank you for the wine uh, apologies I owe you some wine although I have to say that, that their, uh, their wine is probably rather expensive I was going to say you're not going to replace it with yeah, top quality wine. We, are could, you? we could replace it with red wine from a certain German supermarket. Yeah, that's four letters. <laughs> it, is, it is possible. Um, yeah, we sat there and I remember asking them about. I think one one of the questions that I if, okay, if you're sat there with Queen, what do you ask them? What would you ask them? I think generally my first question would be, you know, what was it like working with Freddie Mercury? Mm-hmm. Because everybody knows Freddie Mercury as well, but. Yeah. Unless you've, even when you watch films like Bohemian Rhapsody, if you've yep. seen that film, it tells you a lot of the story, but you never you never really know for sure. So I think that would be my question. Mm. What was it actually like being friends yeah. with him? Yeah, I did, that, that, and as I say, that was spoken about a lot in that dressing room conversation with Brian yeah. when he said, you know, that Freddie would have loved a man in a kilt and whatnot. Yeah. Um, one of my questions that I, rem- I definitely remember asking was, you know, is it true that bands look forward to playing in Scotland like mm. is, is the, are the Scottish crowds yeah. sort of as rowdy as uh, as you think yeah and they, they were like nah you know it's uh, <laughs> it's quite a cliche sometimes was the response I got and they said they then spoke about it and they said that South America is the best place to play ah oh, right um, okay Brazil Argentina yeah um, I think one of them mentioned Japan as well yeah um, but again you can imagine the, the crowds in these kind of yeah. I mean the Scottish crowds are mad yeah um, and there's probably many a band that would say that Scotland is yeah. a special place. That's quite interesting because I wonder how many bands sort of say Scotland, thank you, you've been incredible, you've been amazing, and they maybe actually they, yeah they haven't been amazing maybe maybe we as Scottish 
people who love music need to do better. Potentially. Just a it's, thought. It's an interesting thought. Yeah, but I suppose Queen are the kind of band that have toured relentlessly for many, many years and played in front of so many different audiences that if anyone's going to say who the best crowds are, yeah. they're That's true. certainly well qualified I mean, to do so. We've not been to South America yet, have we? We've not been to South America yet, no. no. Um, we've not We've not even uh, conquered South America on the podcast yet. No. <laughs> if anyone wants to listen in in Brazil, Argentina, <laughs> Bolivia... Where, uh, let's not name any more no, in case, we, in case we get them wrong there is a lot yeah in case we get the wrong <laughs> continent as well um, after so I, I got a message from my sister while we're sat there having that those glasses of red wine mm-hmm. and she said are the band coming through to, to like to mingle oh okay um, <clears throat> at that point Adam was kind of going off to bed mm-hmm. um, I don't know what Roger was doing but I said to Brian Brian would you would you mind coming through and, and meeting my family yeah he's like yeah yeah no problem so I remember, so I hadn't seen my family from after the show until this point when I walked through the door with Brian May. Mm-hmm. And at, at that point, I remember the door opening and seeing all of their faces like stunned that mm. I had to just walk through the door with Brian May. Yeah. I mean, that's the power of it, man. He's obviously yeah. an absolute legend. And my dad was a big Queen fan growing up. Yeah. He's got a few of their like classic vinyls and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I then had to introduce Brian to every one of my family. <laughs> And I've never seen my dad so stunned and lost for words, speechless, yeah. ever before. Yeah. Um, he stood there just looking at him, Brian, Brian, that was brilliant, 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 <laughs> Brian, Brian, brilliant, brilliant, Brian. And it's just like, wow. <laughs> he just couldn't find his, uh, find his words at all. Um, but that, that was obviously very special, introducing um, Brian to all the family yeah, yeah. my sister was gutted she didn't get to meet Adam because of the, the singing obviously yeah, yeah. for the record my sister yeah my sister is a keen singer as well that's what two three mentions of my sister so yeah. I think Maybe, that apology has been done do we, we're not going to name this episode Rachel are we uh, no, no, no right, I, I, I don't think that would be a, uh, entirely appropriate mm, but yeah. maybe a future episode could be yeah. called Rachel yeah yeah so from there I didn't know if I would ever speak to Brian again or yep. have any involvement with Queen and Adam Lambert and I'd have been quite happy if there was never anything anything more yeah. um, because it was such a special, special night undoubtedly one of the best nights of my life and yeah. for as long as I live that will be right there in, in my memories however, um, we're going to talk in a future episode about how I put together my piece Highland Road yep. and I thought, why not ask Brian to contribute um, a line of the the poem mm-hmm. to the to the track yeah. and uh, he he agreed uh, and sent me over his line, um, but he also noted that I would have to deal with um, the record label, right. um, which I had not really, I'd not really, I'd not really thought about. Mm-hmm. You know the fact that I was going to have to deal with the Queen record label. Yeah. Um, and I was messaging back and forth with Jim Beach. If, if you've seen the Bohemian Rhapsody film, he's the mm. record label guy that um, in, yeah, in the film. In the film. And uh, yeah, so we he agreed that we could include Brian's voice, but that we would have to sign a, a release form yeah. um, in order for that to happen. So I've got a, a release form um, of I, Brian May, and he'd signed his name, uh, consent to my voice saying, and you and, you and I will know it when we walk the Highland Road, mm. being included for release in Craig William the Kabbalistic Cavalry's Highland Road. Yeah. Uh, and he'd signed it and dated it. And it's <laughs> like, wow, a very cool thing to have, to be yeah. fair. I got that from him, and I, I, after the track was released, I sent I sent it over to Brian to mm-hmm. ask him to ask his professional opinion on Highland Road. Yeah, uh, and he, he replied, 
Uh, I got it. Thanks. Very nice. You could say I. Uh, you could say I. Um, I was happy to pour a little of my Scottish blood into this epic. I didn't <laughs> know that Brian May was half Scottish. Did you? I didn't know that actually. No. Um, he, he. I asked him about it then, and he said that his mum was a Scot mm. through and through, and uh, he's exactly half and half. Um, ah, okay. He said. He actually said, not to get too political. On the eleventh <laughs> of February, two thousand seventeen. He's actually much more proud of my Scottish components than my English one right now. Oh, mm. not getting political. Not at, at all. all. Nope. Um, not <clears throat> at all. Um, from there, again, I didn't know if I'd have any further involvement, but I thought I'd chance my arm and I asked him if I could go to... I was going to be in Boston. Mm. Um, on, in fact, I, yeah, I was going to be in Boston for uh, a very small show at the Black Rose bar, mm-hmm. um, a kind of Celtic um, influenced bar. I was, do- I was basically doing a tour of Canada at the time, which we're going to talk about in a future episode too. Mm. Uh, and was dropping into Boston, um, drop- like crossing over the border into Boston to, to play that sh- little show at the Black Rose. Yep. Coincidentally, the night before, Queen were going to be there. So I asked Brian if I could go, mm-hmm. um, and he, he sorted me out um, my, along with my, my good friend Chris in Canada, who's been listening to the podcast. Thanks uh, for that. Hello, Chris. Chris hello. and Mags. Um, and uh, the three of us went along I think the two of them so first of all for me it was unbelievable to be able to sit back relax and enjoy the whole show from start to finish knowing that I didn't have to deal with the jangling nerves of going on the stage and Chris and Mags were absolutely blown away with the the whole thing too Yeah. again they changed the production for that show Mm -hmm. or for that tour it was a different tour than the one I had played on but it was no less spectacular it was absolutely huge unbelievable haven't had much dealings with Queen or so um, since then um, I had dropped Brian a message to see if he, he might fancy doing the uh, the pipes thing again when they headlined Transmit yeah, Festival uh-huh. but he said that um, it was very tight because it was a festival show and obviously they were yeah. set and they wanted to make the most of the time that they had on stage which was yeah, totally fair enough yeah. and uh, I had hoped to get some of them on the podcast but we never say never say never we might yeah. be able to do that at a future date yeah um, as we record this, though, as we speak, Queen and Adam Lambert are number one in the UK charts, in the album charts. It's, it's quite incredible that they're still number one going on however many years they've yeah. been producing records. But I think the last record, I read that the last record came out and went to number one in November 1995. Wow. So for them to then be able to release a live album yeah. with a different frontman yeah. and still have that absolute worldwide draw yeah. I think it went number one in, in the UK and Australia on the same day. wonder it's... if we were listened to it in the UK and Australia on that same day. I hope so. I really hope so. If if you're listening in Australia, actually, because we asked this beforehand, yeah. um, if any, either of us knew anybody in Australia who's listening, and we both don't. So if you're in Australia and you're listening to this, do get in touch, because we would like to know, actually. A grand total of 1% of our listeners are made up from of Australia right now. Which, if there's only 10 people listening... It's one. That's a whole person. That's a whole person. That is a whole person. So if you are that whole person, do get in touch somehow. Yeah, yeah. Send us, send us a letter via pigeon. Yeah. And uh, maybe it'll get to us by the end of the episodes, or end of the series. Hopefully. Same. The last point before we finish this up is that so many people. I I don't know if you if you follow. Yeah, if you follow Queen on any of their social media stuff, do you? Like, no, do, I don't Twitter actually. No. Yeah. Facebook. They are constantly, constantly, constantly point after point after point after point after point about how they need to stop playing because Freddie's no longer with us mm. because, you know, Adam Lambert's not Freddie. Yeah. I think as someone who's been involved in the show and as someone who's now seen 
a couple of their shows and has followed them since. Mm-hmm. Adam makes very, very clear in this show that he's not trying to be Freddie. That yeah. They're there to try and pay, pay tribute to one of the greatest rock and roll frontmen of all time. Yeah. And so I think it's very close-minded of people to to be so shut off to the idea of having Adam Lambert there yeah. singing with them. I think as well, you're, <clears throat> when you go to see Queen, you're not. it's not like you're going to see Freddie. You're not seeing Freddie Mercury. You're seeing Queen as the band, as them. So alongside that, there is Brian, there is Roger. So you're seeing the Queen experience, if you like. Yeah. And as you say, I've not been to see them, but I've I've seen videos and listened to them and stuff. And obviously Adam isn't Freddie. He's a totally no. different person, but he's bringing his aspect to it, his performance and his, yeah. his vocals to it as well. And for me, there isn't at this point, there is no greater person to be fronting that band than him. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know he gets a hard time because obviously he was a contestant on American Idol, which is yeah. where him and Brian met because Brian was doing some sort of guesting on the mm. on the show. But I think regardless of that, like he is the perfect person to be uh, yeah. to be up front and centre with uh, with Queen at that yeah. point. And I think the day that Queen do stop producing or touring, touring or whatnot, it's I <laughs> think it would be a sad day. I definitely think it would be. Yeah. yeah. You've you've been to see the Queen statue, the Freddie Mercury statue in Montreux, eh? I have, yeah. Not Montrose. Not Montrose, that's a totally different uh, town. There's no... Well, I think there's statues in Montrose. Yeah, but I don't think there's one of Freddie, yeah? No, there's definitely not. Um, yeah, I was in Montreux, Switzerland, uh, back in 2013, I think it was. For those that maybe have been before, we were at the Montreux Jazz Festival. Mm. And were you working? It was kind of a... Uh, how would you describe it? Uh, knees up not holiday I would definitely say knees up yeah networking I, event net, that's the word I was looking for <laughs> we were networking in Switzerland no it's it's an incredible festival actually I've always wanted to either take yourself or the guys or the band and everyone because mm. it is it's like a three week long festival that attracts so many live acts mm. um, and when we were there um, one of the headliners was Green Day and Green Day they'll easily sell out you know 20 oh, yeah. 30,000 people but the venue uh, we were in, I think it's only like five or 6,000. I might right. be wrong, but it's a very okay. small venue. Intimate in comparison. Yeah. And it's an incredible festival because we had like a green day one night and then someone totally different, like actual jazz acts in the mm. exact same room the next day. So it's two totally different things. But yeah, in Montreux, along the, the front boardwalk, I guess you would call it, there is the Freddie Mercury statue, iconic statue. And whenever you go, there's always people there. Mm. Always. Even at five in the morning i think when we really? went when we finished uh <laughs> our knees up that night i think we'll you're call networking it, the networking event that night we were uh walking back to the hotel um at five in the morning and came across uh we were just john whiteface it wasn't john whiteface he wasn't no, there. Oh. no no it wasn't john jed grimes and you gave him a coffee no but jed still hasn't been in touch about that coffee yet oh, jed i'm um, you know not that bitter about that no. but coffee would be nice no bitterness at all so yeah, so we came across, the, we were walking towards the Freddie Mercury statue and because we're Scottish and uh, we had alcohol in our system, mm. there's this thing when Scottish people have alcohol in their system, they become very, let's say, rowdy, I would say, loud and... Are we, so, ju- are we just clarifying this to our American listeners that... Yeah, you can American, the uh, Australian, wherever you are in the world, um, if you recognise anybody... I mean, firstly, they'll have a Scottish accent. That's mm. the giveaway. It's quite a giveaway. Quite a giveaway. So we were walking towards the Freddie Mercury statue, quite rowdy, and there was this gentleman um, standing just in front of the statue, and he turned to us and said, oh, you must be um, you must be Scottish. And we were sort of taken aback, because I'm not sure how, but he obviously knew because of our rowdiness. 
and he wasn't wrong we were Scottish <coughs> and we were we kind of struck up this conversation wondering why this gentleman was standing in front of the Freddie Mercury statue mm. at five o'clock in the morning during the festival and he kind of said to us we were chatting away for a wee bit and he said his name was David Richards for those avid Queen fans will know that David Richards was a producer for Queen so we were kind of Scottish as you are and you're kind of Scottish we were a wee bit Scottish a wee bit Scottish and we were sort of listening to his stories and there was part of you that goes what are the chances that we're sitting here listening to the stories of Queen's producer just by pure chance came across it in the street and it was like a sort of you pinch yourself going mm. is this true and credit to Mr Richards he said to us the next you know if we're still at the festival the next mm. day um, he's doing a lot of TV editing and stuff for the the recordings of the festival so meet him and he'll take us around the tour um, so we got back to the hotel next morning we had to google his name just to check that yeah, it was the, real. Yeah, <laughs> the google image thing just to make sure that it was uh, and it was it was actually him and we were at that point we were almost starstruck ourselves going you know we've just spoken to him about mm. his experiences of working with uh, with Queen and producing their albums and it was it was incredible to meet him knowing that he was directly involved yeah. with, with Freddie and Brian and Roger um, and sadly I actually just found out before this that uh, he had actually passed away just a few months afterwards uh, December that year which was quite that took me so back so meeting you dusty people yeah if you meet Scottish people be prepared <laughs> <laughs> um, but we were googling him just before we came on and he yeah. also produced for David Bowie and stuff as well so it's a it's a a big name to have met yeah. whilst networking at one of these festivals. Eh? Yeah, it was definitely networking. Honestly. Definitely networking. Yeah. It was... Um, people all around the world know um, how important Queen are, um, still are to this day. They're so... still. If you go to any party, yeah. um, any 18th, 21st, 30th, 40th wedding, funeral, maybe, um, <laughs> like the chances of being... of a Queen song being there yeah. are very, very high. Um, yeah. And I think... I count myself really lucky that mm-hmm. I, uh, yeah, I, I count myself really lucky that I had that opportunity to yeah. to guest with Queen and Adam Lambert. It'll forever be one of the greatest nights of my life. Yeah, and hopefully there's Queen's fans around the world, wherever they are listening to this, and they'll uh, add to our contributions yeah. of countries around the world, as well as the person in Australia who's let us know. Let us know if you've never heard of Queen, yeah, because well, um, can you imagine? There's some guy out there in Australia in the outback with a didgeridoo with a with a with a a, a hat with corks in it. Mm. Um, listen to us with his headphones in right right yeah. there right now. I wonder if there is somebody in the middle of nowhere tuning in actually. I mean, obviously, like Graham's a farmer, so he's in the middle of nowhere. But do you honestly think he's listening? Uh, no, he doesn't like the bagpipes, does he? <laughs> <laughs>